This is Health Yeah, your weekly update on what's going on in the health, wellness, and medical world with Monica Robbins. Hey everyone, I'm Monica Robbins, and thanks so much for checking out Health Yeah, your prescription for clear, concise medical health and wellness info. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you can get a weekly dose of some timely health topics. This episode is about the big news out of Pfizer. The data shows its vaccine is safe and effective for kids 12 to 15. It has yet to be published or submitted to the FDA, but likely middle schoolers will be able to be vaccinated before going back to school in the fall. I spoke with Cleveland Clinic Dr. Michelle Medina. She's the Associate Chief of Clinical Operations within Cleveland Clinic Community Health. She's also a pediatrician. I asked her about what this means and what parents need to know. Big news out of uh, Pfizer's study today relating to kids. Uh, what do parents need to know? The, the, the big news is that for the 12 to 16 year old age group, which again, um, was not included in the FDA emergency use authorization, Pfizer has shown that for the nearly 3,000 um, teens and preteens that they've studied, there are no COVID infections that, that were seen in the vaccinated group. So about half of them got the vaccine, about half did not. And among those who got the vaccine, none of them developed COVID infection, which is truly reassuring and great news. So I want to be a devil's advocate because, uh, you know, when we were studying this in adults, we had over 30, almost 44,000 people, 3,000 kids. Is that enough to really make this decision? Well, you have to look at it also in terms of subgroups. So that's 44,000 individuals. The majority of them are the young adults, right? Because that's pretty much what the population is. But when you start thinking about subgroups, who are older, so above the age of 55 or above the age of 65, above the age of 65 in that uh, initial study, there were only about close to 4,000 people who were included in the initial study. So 3,000, you know, in that range for, for the subgroup that we're particularly interested in is fairly comparable to what was actually seen when you start breaking it into age subgroups. To your point, yes, once we get into the real world, once we start hitting tens of thousands or even millions of people, then certainly we'll keep um, studying that and making sure that those results follow through. So for all of those parents who have a 12 to 15 year old um, who, you know, now we're seeing that the it's safe and effective, what is your advice to them? Because, you know, many, many are still concerned that this is still somewhat of an experimental vaccine. Yeah, the nice thing is we have millions of doses that have been given out to people 16 and above, right? Um, clearly, the vast majority are still pretty much in the elderly population, but every day we see more and more of younger and younger adults getting this. We are reassured that for those millions of people, we're not seeing any bad side effects. Again, a lot of them really are pretty much within the first, the second day after you receive the dose. Uh, the notion that we still don't quite understand what the long-term effects are, in some ways that is very much true because we're still less than a year into this particular campaign. But again, theoretically and looking at the way that the vaccines are made and looking at the way that the body responds to uh, this particular vaccination uh, methodology, very little concern in the long term as far as what we think is going to do 
um, in terms of children's development or you know the way that children are are going to grow up. That being said, we'll continue to study these. And again, it's not over. These, these uh, trial participants will continue to be monitored by Pfizer and, and the other manufacturers for at least a couple of years. Do you have children? I do. I have a 15-year-old. And so that's why I'm anxious as well, because she doesn't qualify for the current vaccine status. Yeah. Are you going to get her vaccinated? I am. I, I can tell you that I am going to do that. Yes. Why? What makes you so confident? Um, there are two levels to that, right? There's the level by which I'm a pediatrician and the level that I'm a mom. So let me speak first in terms of me as a pediatrician. When you think about vaccinating the population, there are really two reasons why you're doing it. You wanna make sure that those who will get very sick or potentially die from the illness are protected. But you also want to make sure that anybody who's an effective transmitter mobile people, people out in community, people out who are in jobs, you know, going out and seeing other people, the effective transmitters are also vaccinated so that we don't impact those who could potentially get very sick. And in a lot of situations, including the flu, the extremes of age are the ones who get very sick, very young and very old. But that's why we vaccinate everybody or we offer everybody the flu vaccine every year so that we cover that. So in that sense, vaccinating the young mobile population is so critically important to make sure that everybody is protected you know in the long term as a mom it's still very difficult for me and and i still have you know i send her out into the world these days with just a twinge of anxiety about what if she forgets to put on her mask what if you know in the middle of, of you know a social setting everybody's talking to each other and she feels peer pressure to take off her mask or do something else I'm not gonna be there. I'm not gonna be there to police that. And, and I think I would feel much more secure knowing that she actually has a vaccine that will prevent her from either getting COVID itself or maybe even getting so sick with COVID if she happens to be in a setting where she could pick it up. What's your take? When do you think it's going to be available? Because a lot of parents, you know, they hear it'll be available before school, but what's the next step? Now that Pfizer is reporting that it's safe and effective, what happens next? That's a really great question. I think that's where our, our minds go to right now that we hear about this, we want it tomorrow. So there are a number of steps. First of all, Pfizer has to organize that data and present it to the FDA. The FDA uh, body will review that, and it usually takes about two to three weeks, right? The Pfizer submits it. All of those um, experts will review that particular information. They have a formal meeting, and just so everybody knows, those formal meetings are, are in public. You could actually sign in and listen to the conversation, and it's in that formal meeting that they have a chance to um, ask their specific questions of the Pfizer scientists if they have any concerns about the data that they receive. And then shortly after, within a day of that formal meeting, they take a vote and they say, should we approve it for this population 12 to 16? The nice thing that we've seen recently, once the FDA has that vote, the CDC almost within that same weekend will also come together and have a vote to say, yes, the CDC endorses what the FDA has approved. And then we've actually seen vaccines ship out within the following week. Will that still be the pathway? That would be, I think, the most optimistic point of view. So if that's the case, and, and um, Pfizer actually sends it to the FDA, by May, hopefully we'll have some answer about when the first shipment will actually go 
about, but it's been happening fairly fast. I think it's just this first few weeks that we'll have to see, you know, when that process moves forward. Moderna started testing its vaccine in younger people too. You know, these vaccines are so similar. Are you expecting similar results from Moderna? Yes. Actually, I am. I am actually expecting some very similar results. Just again, just the way that they're made and the way that the trials have come out as far as the uh, effectiveness of both. I am expecting very similar results. Something else that was, you know, rather big news this week, um, Dr. Walensky on the Rachel Maddow show had said that this vaccine is actually preventing virus transmission. Can you explain that? Because we've been hearing in the past that be careful because just because you're vaccinated, you can still get the virus and pass it to someone else. Now we're seeing that's not the case. Well, we, we, at least the initial news that we've seen, it seems to be uh, helping to prevent that. So that was one of the unanswered questions, as you remember from the initial trials, right? Can you still pass it on even if you're vaccinated? And the reason that we ask that question is we're not sure if somebody can have a COVID um, infection that doesn't present with symptoms, because that's really the um, uh, the thing that we want to crack. If you have, uh, if you're carrying the virus and you're not showing any symptoms, um, those are the ones that we worry are actually effectively transmitting that. And in the most uh, recent uh, release from the CDC of a study that they did across healthcare workers and first responders who were asked to self-swab themselves fairly frequently, weekly in the study, and then they looked at the population that were vaccinated against those who did not get to their vaccine yet, they were able to show that when you're vaccinated, even after the first dose, it prevents COVID infection. And certainly after two doses, it prevents uh, infection measured by that swab, regardless of whether you have symptoms or not. So that's a big breakthrough. If we can actually decrease the number of people who are carrying it and don't have any symptoms, that can effectively reduce the amount that we're transmitting to each other. That was one of the biggest questions we had for so long is, if I get the vaccine, it will s prevent me from getting sick, but also prevent passing it along. Is that what we're seeing? That's what we're seeing. Um, the latest study from the CDC shows that if you're vaccinated, you will not get sick, or the chances of you getting sick are very low, and the chances of you actually uh, sharing it with anybody else is also very low. What does that say to you? You know. Well, it means that if I'm vaccinated. I feel better about visiting with other people. I feel better about seeing my uh, my relatives, um, especially those who are at high risk, because the chances are I'm not going to be spreading COVID to them. Should I still be taking precautions? Very likely, nothing is 100%, but it does make me feel better about taking that step to do that. You know, the next step now is testing this vaccine in those, I think it's six months and up, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, yeah. So 11 to six months. Yes. When do you think we might see that data and what are we looking for and what should parents know? Yeah, that, that's gonna take some time. Uh, so let's use the Moderna example, right? Cause they started also vaccinating less than 11. And what they're going to do is they're going to do it in age brackets. So they're going to start with some of the younger kids, you know, school age kids, 
they're going to start doing preschoolers, they're going to start doing toddlers, they're going to start doing infants. And every step of the way, they're going to obviously take a pause and say, is everything still okay? Is it still safe? Are the kids doing well? So it's a little bit longer than what we've seen with the adult studies, where you basically give it out to everybody, measure, and then you have your analysis of the situation. Um, and so for that reason, the chances of us actually having infant vaccination by the next winter fall season, that would be a real stretch, right? It would be nice, but I think that would be a real stretch. And I think we've even heard Dr. Fauci say that'll probably likely be next year, 2022 for the younger kids. Yeah. AstraZeneca, mm -hmm. it's been, uh, you know, batted around. Now Canada, I think just uh, halted using it in certain yeah. populations. What is, explain what people need to understand about this vaccine and, and what's your take? Do you think this one is going to get approved anytime soon? I think there's a good chance it will be. The, um, the US trials, and again, we, we, we certainly, in the United States, before we approve any drug, we'd like to see how it actually works within our particular environment. So the US trials, um, I think have learned from what has happened with the other trials in terms of how disciplined should we be about our numbers? How do we actually evaluate the data? And even with, even, you know, having known what has, what has transpired before, um, the numbers are still very reasonable in terms of effectiveness. They're probably as effective or maybe even a little bit more effective than Johnson & Johnson. Again, depending on the cohort that you're gonna be looking at at any given time. It's also important to remember that AstraZeneca, they were doing their studies at a time when there were so many variants that were circulating in many different parts of the world, um, which is actually, if you think about it, a really critical piece of information to have, to be able to study real world uh, settings of the different variants, you know, pretty much uh, taking over the population. And that's part of the reason why, you know, sometimes it's hard to compare numbers from one area to another. Again, at the end of the day, I think their data is going to be reasonable. I think it will meet what the FDA requires, which is at least 50% effectiveness across a certain number of people. It'll again add a lot of doses you know, to what we have now, not just in the United States, but also globally. Um, we'll await to see what the FDA shows. But again, we, we would really welcome another, um, you know, another way that we could actually vaccinate people in these times. Do you think people have to worry about this particular vaccine relating to blood clots and all the other issues? No, I, I don't. I really don't think so. Again, we talked about this before. The numbers compared to the number that were vaccinated is very similar to what you would expect when you have so many people out in the real world actually getting a vaccine. At some point, something will pop up in terms of what we would just typically see in the population. So don't panic. Don't panic. Right. The nice thing is we have options, too. And the nice thing is these days, yeah, you could pretty much go anywhere and you'd find at least one of the other three. From your perspective, do you think it's necessary to mandate people who have to be vaccinated for things like travel or mass gatherings and, you know, carrying around the vaccine passport, if you will? 
Yeah, there, I, there are two sides to that argument, right? Like it would be nice because then you would feel better reassured if you travel that everybody around you is vaccinated. The other half of that argument is then who do you exclude from these things that we would consider, you know, sort of part and parcel of normal life? And then if you exclude certain groups simply because they weren't able to get to the vaccine or weren't, you know, didn't have the chance to uh, get vaccinated, what's the impact of that? So I think It'll, it's still a long ways away before we have to actually come to some sort of conclusion in this one. Once we probably get to a certain level of vaccination across the population, I would suspect those will be the questions that we will have to tackle. Yeah. So do you see a mandate in the future? I think in the same way that we're thinking about um, masking in public transportations, right? Um, it's certainly possible, but in certain uh, settings, they would be. I think the one thing that I think would, would come up first is actually whether or not universities and colleges will ask the uh, their new enrollees starting in the fall to be vaccinated. That's probably the first thing that we're going to have to deal with and to answer. Is this going to be one of those vaccines, though, that you can get out of by philosophical reasons or yeah, they, they did introduce that. Yeah, exactly. The, the one that I, I remember seeing, Rutgers University does have a clause by which you could actually get out um, doing that. You know, just speaking to my patients who are college age students, though, who are anxious themselves to get the vaccine, they themselves will tell you they're anxious to be in an environment where they can move around freely. And if that means that uh, in order to do that, you need to have people vaccinated, I think a lot of them are willing to do that. Dr. Medina, as always, thank you so much for your insight. Always a pleasure to talk to you. There's no way in health you want to Google this info just anywhere. You can read more about the study at Pfizer's website and check out guidance from the American Academy of Pediatrics. I put links to both websites in the description of this podcast. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Monica Robbins. Check out stories and video podcasts on my YouTube channel and please subscribe too. Also, like my Facebook page, Monica Robbins WKYC, to learn about upcoming podcasts and health news. Find more info on WKYC's social pages and YouTube channel, as well as WKYC.com for comprehensive COVID-19 coverage. Have a healthy day, everyone. Thanks for listening to Health Yeah! with Monica Robbins from WKYC Studios. Subscribe now so you never miss an update and find more on everything you heard here on WKYC.com and on the WKYC app.